0: Gentlemen, how's everyone doing today? I hope everyone's doing great on this Saturday afternoon. It is actually a very beautiful, lovely Saturday afternoon here in the great state of Texas. And I hope you all are doing well. I'm your host, Mr. C. Dang it. (laughs) (laughs) Let me get this fixed real quick, guys. Just a moment. Great, beautiful day here in the state of Texas. As I was saying, and uh, that might sound a little bit better to your ears. There we go. Beautiful day, actually. Beautiful day in the great state of Texas. Great weather, nice and sunny. You get your vitamin D, fight your uh, naturally, your your um, authentically manufactured uh, <laughs> diseases that uh, come from uh, certain government forms and uh, you know other nations abroad spreading them around. But you're gonna get your vitamin C today, or your vitamin. D. Well, you're getting your vitamin C right now. But you're going to get your vitamin D today if you go out and enjoy that beautiful Texas weather, particularly if you're here in the great state of Texas. Let me get myself a little straightened out here, guys. All right. Okay. Yeah. Lone Star News. We're back at it, guys. And it's great to be back. Great to be back with everybody here. And, uh, well, we'll see what's up for today. Uh, We are coming to you live, and I believe we're live on all platforms right now. I mean, you know, we we're live where we're normally live, but uh, glad to have you all with us, ladies and gentlemen. All right, so let's just get into it. We're going to do about an hour of Texas news this afternoon. We've got a few things to cover. Um, you know, there's a lot of Texas news going on, but we're gonna we're gonna limit that to a few scopes, a few ranges. I think probably uh, the most uh, interesting thing. That uh, we'll have on the menu for today is going to be um, a little bit of a breakdown of uh, what the way Texas voted um, this past Tuesday, November second. We had uh, we had elections all across the country. We had two particularly huge elections uh, that we've kind of t- spoken about, not at nauseum, but uh, most definitely informatively. Uh, regarding uh, Virginia and New Jersey, and then also this uh, red wave that came in, what, the winter of 2021. Was it a dark winter? I don't think for us it was necessarily a dark winter. But uh, definitely for the left-leaning liberals, the Democrats, progressive, socialists, and communist sympathizers in D.C. and abroad... It's been a dark winter <laughs> and uh, we'll see how it goes from there. Let me go ahead and get some of my other primaries opened up real quick, guys, just a moment. Okay, and uh, you know, I don't wanna go in here too blind. Not today, not today. Okay, and uh, there we go. Got that going, got that rolling, gonna need that one up, got to pop this one in. And away we go. All right. Let's see what we got over here, ladies and gentlemen. Hey, Pilled by the Rabbit. How's it going? Yes, sir. Indeed, it is Texas time here at Mr. CTV, the Mr. C channel. If you're hanging out over there at the foxhole.app or at pill.net, welcome, welcome, welcome. If you're live with us on Twitch, YouTube, Trovo, DLive, or Hub. Good to have you with us as well, friends, and uh, I hope you enjoy the next hour of Texas-focused news and current events. And uh, with that, ladies and gentlemen, let us just jump right into it, because there ain't nothing but to do it, as they say. So let's get a hold of the first order of business for today. And that my friends would be uh, the constitutional amendment election that just took place this past Tuesday, as I said, um, a very, very important day. I think, uh, I think anytime we're voting for constitutional amendments, that should probably be considered pretty important. Uh, but uh, what, what is with the entire constitutional amendment uh, vote? What's going on? What, what is, uh, what does that even look like in Texas? And does this happen all the time? Uh, well, just a quick history on uh, the constitutional amendment, um, I guess, uh, elections happening in Texas. Uh, we had this uh, Texas Constitution adopted in February of 1876, and uh, our current Texas Constitution has been amended. More than 500 times, interesting enough. I'm sure uh, some of us uh, may not be aware of a little bit of this history. The Constitution is also the fifth since we've had statehood. So our current Constitution is actually our fifth Constitution since Texas went into state statehood with these United States of America. Since 1876, the legislature has proposed more than 690 constitutional amendments, And of those, 687 of them have actually gone before Texas voters, okay? Now, only 180 of those proposed amendments have ever been defeated, okay? So that is kind of something that we're looking at. Now, if I were to take a step back and look at the uh, way that Texas voted... For uh, this past Tuesday's uh, uh, constitutional election, amendment election, uh, we see that we had eight propositions or eight amendments to be voted on uh, this past Tuesday. And if I were to take a a step back and look at the way Texas voted, I would probably have to say that Texas basically just uh, votes yes for amendments to Texas. But then again, you know, at the same time, when we're considering exactly um, uh, what was on the ballot and how the ballot uh, was worded, you know, ve- they were very vague. Now, I, I don't suppose that, uh, you know, whomever puts together our ballots uh, would want to give people um, a fighting chance to understand what it is exactly that they're voting on. You really needed to do your homework. Before you stepped into that ballot booth or that voting booth on Tuesday, because it was vague, ladies and gentlemen, Uh, uh, basically to the uh, extent of um, uh, Proposition 1, an amendment uh, dealing with uh, changes to um, charity, charity, uh, charity raffles at Texas events, period. So you don't know what the change was. You don't know what it involved. Uh, incidentally, in this case, it involved um, allowing the Texas rodeo okay, to be able to have charitable raffles at their events. And one would wonder, like, well, what the heck is up with that? Like, why are we even voting on the rodeo? And why is that part of a Texas amendment? You know, but uh, here we see uh, raffles, charitable events uh that uh in in the texas constitution uh it does make allowances for such types of things to happen um of course uh this would involve mostly uh national outfits probably even international outfits like uh like uh, the national uh football association or you know the n f l or what have you so the amendment for proposition one just simply had to do with allowing the rodeo, which is you know a texas uh A Texas-based organization uh, to be able to do quite the same, but again, you wouldn't know that uh, if you hadn't done your research. Um, I think uh, the two, there are probably three extremely important ones on there. Now, Proposition Two, for example, and 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 I might add, um, Texas voted to approve all eight constitutional amendments on this past. This past Tuesday's um, election, they voted to approve all eight of them. Now, I opposed one of them, myself, personally. Um, Of course, Texas voted for it. And that just tells me that they probably either did not do their research or they did not understand it. Maybe Texans think that um, amendments are always a good thing, right, to uh, our Constitution. Uh, Proposition two had to do with uh, the ability for counties to issue bonds to fund infrastructure projects, okay? Now, generally speaking across the board in every city, every state in this nation, uh, we tend to deal with a very corrupt local government, okay? Or we tend to deal with a very wasteful local government, Or we tend to deal with a local government that doesn't uh, really adhere to the boundaries that should be given to them. And they can find loopholes and other ways to kind of like uh, uh, get around any uh, projects or get around any um, uh, deals that they might want to make. So when we're talking about uh, the ability for counties to be able to issue bonds, which is debt, basically, it's it's this is this was very much a, a kind of like a fiscal type of amendment um, we're seeing that, uh, Texas has, uh, went ahead and said, okay, we're cool with that. We're cool with, uh, counties in addition to cities, municipalities issuing these bonds, which to me is just why, why make it harder for ourselves and, um, allow another entity elect- elected or not within, you know, our, our, um, within our state to be able to, uh, handle, handle the issuance of bonds. And, you know, there's no telling where those bonds could go. There's no telling where that money could be going to. And, you know, they say it's for infrastructure, right? Uh, But say you live in a very Democrat stronghold or very left-leaning stronghold city in your state. Uh, Man, you're going to have to watch those county commissioners. You're going to, just like you have to watch your city councilmen, just like you have to watch, uh, you know, at the federal level, The Democrats saying that they have an infrastructure package that literally has like, what, eight to 10 percent that literally has to do with infrastructure and everything else is going to pet projects like uh, funding critical race theory and the likes. So, yeah, uh, most definitely uh, I voted no for Proposition 2 this past Tuesday, uh, but Texans overwhelmingly seem to think that it is a good idea that county officials are able to issue these bonds. So I guess Texas, that's just the way we're going to go for now. And uh, well, it's going to be a struggle, I think, in some areas, particularly if they uh, find those uh, county officials find a way to funnel these infrastructure funds, these bonds into other projects that have nothing to do with it. Okay, nothing to do with it. Just going to make our job harder. Right. As uh, as a diligent citizen um, who's uh, the watcher of those whom we elect, it's just going to make our job harder. Um, and we're going to have to uh, rely on the uh, we're going to have to rely on the honesty of our elected officials and that they will actually do what they say they're going to do with this new found ability. Now, the other the other uh, propositions I thought were very important was Proposition three and Proposition six. And both of these amendments had specifically to do with um, uh I would say they were a response. They were specifically a response to uh, what we saw happen in our state uh, back in, uh, well, this whole past year, but, but specifically speaking uh, March, 2020, right. Uh, Maybe late February, 2020, uh, where we saw everything getting shut down and we saw everyone getting shut out. And of course uh, the, um, the amendments that we were dealing with with Proposition 3 and Proposition 6 specifically dealt with COVID-19, okay? And uh, that related to uh, the ability for um, religious uh, rights to gather. So this way, no entity of government, uh, no, no city official, no local government, no governor, no mayor, Uh, would be able to shut down religious services. Um, Of course, we have that protected uh, at the federal level with our United States Constitution, but we also have that protected here in Texas, in our Texas Constitution. Uh, But still, uh, that did suffer during uh, the outbreak of March 2020, right? So uh, that was a good thing. Texas did great there. Texas did great. In fact, in Proposition Number 3, Regarding the right for gathering within uh, religious circles, we had a 62.4% of Texans vote for this proposition, which was very good. Uh, Not as high as I would like it to be, but still, nonetheless, you had a lot of opposition to this, of course, because uh, there are some people out there that feel that uh, even uh, religions, churches, synagogues, um, you know, what have you, they have no mosques. They have no right to endanger citizens during uh, such uh, outbreaks. Uh, And so uh, with that in mind, uh, Texas did win for that constitution, which is sad that we even have to have that. But again, considering the emergency powers that uh, were issued to just about every uh, um, um, John and Jack um, elected official during this time, uh, we had to go ahead and fortify that. Now, proposition number six, which I think was even more important uh, had to deal with the ability for those who are in permanent care facilities, uh, whether that be like a nursing home or whether that be like a rehabilitation center, to have the right to a visitor, okay, an essential visitor at least, so that uh, they they have uh, they still have that contact, uh, they still have someone that they can turn to um and uh texas turned out with an 88% vote for proposition number 3 so it was actually quite proud of texans but that's a no brainer that's a common sense thing you know like uh um i know i know in my own specific case that we i did deal with this this specifically affected me uh because um one of my family members my father was actually put into one of these facilities the very week that we had the outbreak in march of 2020 and um, he passed alone, you know, and so that was uh, that was very heartening to see. And I think uh, Texans would have fought for that either way. Uh, and I do think it's a shame that we have to make that an amendment to our Constitution. But hey, uh, we got to do what we got to do. And, and, you know, we learn as we go. Right. And this is part of the learning process. Uh, painful as it might be, sometimes this is sometimes the way things have to be in order for us to get the common sense changes that we need to happen in our state. From the jump, ladies and gentlemen. So that's basically where we were at that point uh, with those constitutions uh, and amendments, I mean, and we can go ahead and kind of do a breakdown of the rest, uh, pulling this information off of the Texas scorecard. Um, and, uh, they give us a breakdown kind of like what everything was about. And we went through this on the last episode, episode 16 of the, um, alone star news, uh, which is available on most platforms. Some platforms didn't take it. Um, but that's okay. You know, it's all about, uh, it's all about getting this information out there. So that's, what's the most important thing. Uh, let me go ahead and see if I can't go ahead and expand this. Hey, I'm trying to expand you, sir. Would you be cooperative? It doesn't want it doesn't want me to expand. It doesn't want me to expand. Okay, let me see if I can expand it this way. Oh, that's pretty, that's not too bad. Okay, so again, proposition one had to do, oh, look at see. Now, this was not the ballot language in my area. The ballot language did not say the constitutional amendment authorizing the professional sports team charitable foundations of organizations sanctioned by the professional rodeo association of Texas or the Women's Professional Rodeo Association to conduct charitable raffles at rodeo venues. My ballot did not say that. My ballot said a constitutional amendment authorizing certain uh, professional sports teams. Uh, No, no, no. It said a change to the constitutional amendment allowing the authorization of certain charitable sports teams foundations uh, to conduct charitable raffles. That's all it said. It didn't say any of the other wording in there. Uh, But basically, we had, what, an 83.82% of Texans voted for it. Um, and so now that means that uh, the rodeo can uh, have charitable raffles and they can conduct those at their venues. Yeah, that's all that was about. Proposition two. Okay. We had a 63.9% turnout for that that voted for it. Um, that was a constitutional amendment authorizing a county to finance development uh, or development of transportation or infrastructure in unproductive, undeveloped and blighted areas in the county. Now, that's not what my ballot said. My ballot said pertaining to the change, uh, a change in the constitutional amendment uh, authorizing uh, like a, um, a county to, I mean, it didn't even say county. It was vague. It was vague. It, it was nowhere near as worded as this is. Um, authorizes counties to issue bonds or debts to fund infrastructure and transportation projects. Um, again, I wouldn't have vote. I did not vote for this because uh, I don't think the, the county needs this uh, this authority or power to do that. I don't think that they need it. No, we have uh, we have municipal governments that are supposed to be taking care of that. Right. And I'm sure that goes into townships and everything else, uh, whether it be rural or whether it be it, whether it be uh, urban. Uh, we already have people that can take care of this stuff. So I just uh, I don't get it. I don't get it. Um, What do we have here? Proposition three, again, the constitutional amendment to prohibit the state or political subdivision of the state from prohibiting or limiting religious services or religious organizations. Uh, Again, 62.42% turnout for this. um, And the state and local governments may not enact any rules that prohibit or limit religious services by religious organizations. This was a direct response to March 2020 and the COIVD-19 uh, outbreak. That uh, was forced upon the world. Um, Proposition number four the constitutional amendment changing the eligibility requirements for a justice of the Supreme Court, a judge of the Court of Criminal Appeals, a justice of the Supreme Court Appeals, and a district judge. So, yeah, you see how vague this is? It doesn't tell you what the change is, but we had 58.78% of Texans turn out for that. I think that this was a good thing, personally speaking. It just required that uh, judges in certain uh, divisions here um, basically had to be in Texas longer. They had to be residents here longer than uh, previous years. I think it extended it by two and four years in some instances for some of these uh, these offices. So that's a good thing. Um, proposition number five, the constitutional amendment providing additional powers to the state commission on judicial conduct with respect to candidates for judicial office. I thought that was a good thing. We had a 59.23% turnout from Texas, and this basically authorized the commission to investigate complaints and reports against candidates. Um, that's people, candidates who are running for like a judge office, a judicial office, uh, which I think is a good thing because, you know, it's specific to that cause. It's, it will address something that can be uh, fixed prior to them being elected. Whereas if you waited for, like, a, you know, a city DA or if you waited for the state AG to actually investigate a candidate, they could be in office before they get around to it. So I thought this was a good thing. I voted for it. Proposition six, of course, the constitutional amendment establishing a right for residents of certain facilities to designate an essential caregiver for in-person veg- vis- visitation. <laughs> I almost said in-person vegetation for in-person visitation. okay. Uh, and that's uh, what it did was uh, residents of nursing homes, assisted living facilities, and similar residential facilities have the right to designate an essential caregiver who may not be denied in person visitation. Okay. This would have been very useful March, 2020, but again, sometimes it's post hindsight, right? That we actually uh, see what needs to be there. We, we couldn't have expected things like this would have happened. We haven't had a, uh, a we haven't had a forced, We haven't had a forced isolation since 1918, right? So uh, how could we have known that this would be a thing in 2021? 87.87% of Americans, I mean, of Texans, Americans, Texans, they popped in and popped up. And um, yeah, yeah, that's exactly what that was all about. And uh, let's see here. Let's see here. Oh, hey, we got uh, we got a lot of friends joining us now. What's going on? We got DJ Ping 254 uh, popping in over at Twitch and also over at pill.net and the foxhole.app. Hey, Ping, thanks for joining us. Ping says he can give input on Prop 2. Hey, I'd welcome that. I'd welcome that uh, if you're able to, Mr. Ping. uh, I wouldn't mind having you on for just a few minutes to discuss that. And then we can get on with more Texas news if you if you'd want to, sir. Uh, just uh, give me a head nod or a wink ask. <laughs> and that would actually be quite useful because uh, I just I don't agree with that. And I know uh, I know Ping has some knowledge on that while I get that up real quick. All right. Uh, let's see here. Mr. Ping, Mr. Ping. I'm going to drop this link real quick into uh, the chat over at uh, Pilled and Foxhole app. Uh, just so the friends are aware. Uh, I'm I'm sending this link out directly for Mr. Ping. (laughs) And Mr. Ping will probably be on the show again at some point in the very near future. 123 SKG, welcome into the chat. Two Rivers, good to see you, sir. Glad to have you with us. Um, And uh, who else we got hanging out? Oh, thank you for gifting the ship as well. Uh, 123 SKG, it's much appreciated. All right, guys. And Peeled by the Rabbit also hanging out with us there. Okay, cool. Awesome, awesome, awesome. Uh, Ping will let yourself get ready if you want to provide some insights. If I misunderstood uh, that uh, insight, that input, then uh, I apologize. Don't even worry about jumping on. Uh Burke, good afternoon. Good to see you. I hope you are doing well this afternoon. Let me go ahead and kill that screen there. All right. Okay. Cool. Uh, let's finish talking about the rest of these amendments here. Uh, we're down to oh yeah. We got through pop, prop number six. Now, prop number seven and eight was also important to me. Um, I think that they're very important amendments as well. Uh, they dealt with basically basically uh, helping our uh, helping our armed servicemen, helping those who um, who uh, have fought for our country um, in any of the services. Uh, we had uh, the constitutional amendment to allow the surviving spouse of a person who is disabled to receive a limitation on the school district and valorem taxes on the spouse's residence. I apologize. Number eight was about the uh, selected services. This one has to do with disabilities. Um, and uh, basically, let's see here. Uh, on the spouse's residence homestead, if the spouse is 55 years of age or older at the time of the person's death, we had an 87.12 turnout. So Texans were very much for this. Texans were basically like, hey, you know, we got to make sure we take care of our own. And uh, it extended the current homestead school tax limit for disabled individuals to surviving spouses who are at least 55 years of age or older. And that was also important because from what I understand, uh, this was already a law It was not being followed in all areas of Texas. So now they've made it an amendment to our constitution. So now they have to, they have to absolutely um, follow that law. Uh, And prop number eight, the constitutional amendment authorizing the legislature to provide for an example or an exemption from ad valorem taxation of all or part of the market value of the resident's homestead of the surviving spouse of a member of the armed services of the United States who is killed or fatally injured in the line of duty. Okay. So that, that was an, uh, that was an exemption that expanded. Okay. Because, uh, before it had to have been like, I think, um, uh, if they were actually killed in combat or injured in combat, and this time, uh, they have broadened that to in the line of duty, which could, which could include even training exercises uh, could include I don't know accidents that happened while they're working on the base. You know, not necessarily that they were you know injured or killed in the line of combat, um, but actually in the line of duty. And uh, as as it would be if they're in if they're in the line of duty, you know that could be at anywhere at any point while they're in service to their country and to their state. And uh, Texans turned out for that with 87.76% approval. So that was pretty good. Um, let's go ahead and prop up back. Well, let's go and pop up back to prop number two. Again, this is going to have to do with counties authorizing issues of bonds. And we're going to have uh, Ping 254 jump in real quick. He's going to share with us some information on that. Good afternoon, Mr. Ping 254. How are you doing today?
1: Good afternoon, Mr. C. Doing well on a nice cold morning. Oh, excuse midday. me midday
0: midday is it cold it's probably as cold up in your neck of the woods we're we're about seventy degrees here or so in te- in San antonio so it's <laughs>
1: yeah, yeah. a little colder here,
0: yeah yeah, for sure for sure uh thanks for popping in to talk a little bit about uh proposition number two and the the bonds with the uh counties like uh what what kind of information could you share with us about that sir
1: okay, you are partially correct in your neck of the woods if we were to say in San mm-hmm. antonio you have your municipality or i guess they call it you know your your county taking care mm-hmm. of it
0: mm-hmm.
1: well in the suburb area where i'm at with a population like one quarter of what you have in san antonio mm-hmm. the roads um, are normally funded with um, what we call ad valorem so either it's either property tax or whatnot. not there is no loan going out to go ahead and fund our roads and bridges that are outside a city limits. Mm-hmm. So concurrently, the county in my area would have to go ahead and budget a certain amount of money per year mm-hmm. to go fix those roads on those unincorporated townships. Mm-hmm. Whereas I'm in the city of Copper's Cove and our city has its own funding for roads and bridges where they can actually get a certificate of obligation Mm
0: -hmm.
1: for their CIP or however you want to call it to go ahead and maintain their roads. But as far as the county's concerned, they have to budget that every year. So Mm
0: -hmm.
1: with this proposition being approved, your county judge in these small areas can actually go get a loan to go ahead and fix these roads that has been in disrepair for many years and get mm-hmm. it fixed. Mm-hmm.
0: So they, it kind of, oh, sorry, go ahead, sir.
1: The opposite end on this is that folks are going to be thinking, guess what's going to increase?
0: The, it's going to increase the taxes is what it's going to yes. do. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, so am I correct in, in thinking then that this kind of this this proposition was more than like a two-edged sword? It could be good for some, and it could be bad for some.
1: Correct. It's a double-edged sword okay. in some areas, mm-hmm,
0: mm-hmm, mm-hmm. especially because...
1: when like my county is twenty-five percent um, federal installation.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: That means seventy-five percent of the rest of the county are either agricultural, horticultural wildlife or even small little towns we've mm-hmm. got four incorporated towns in my county or in the county of where i'm at mm-hmm. the rest of it are unincorporated and of course of all of that again 25 percent is federal installation
0: mm-hmm. so
1: a double-edged sword a double-edged sword for some
0: Definitely. So for so, so for someone in my area uh, who's a little bit attuned into this, voting no is a good thing. <laughs> but for someone in your area. <laughs> oh, no, I voted no. Oh, you did? Really? What, what, may I ask why that was?
1: Uh, property tax money going to increase. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Because here's the thing. According to the law here in Texas, we can only go get two and a half percent of our taxation from basically sales tax.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: But on an annual basis, the appraisal district would review the homeowners, both business and both commercial and residential, and then submit that for for approval to the cities and the counties. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, eight point two five percent is our state. Of that, six yep. percent goes to the state. Two point five goes to the county
0: mm mm-hmm. Very small percent. Exactly. <laughs> Very small percent. Maybe we can have amendment on that. <laughs>
1: uh, okay, yeah. More taxation.
0: No, to lower it. <laughs> oh. Or to, to to balance it, what is already there. I'm not, I'm not call, you know I don't want no new taxes.
1: <laughs> oh, you mean state taking five and giving three and a half three and a half or three and a quarter, three point two five over to the counties?
0: Something, you know, something. <laughs> Just play play with that in there, you know, play with that in that range. It's well, already at eight point two five sales. Um, I tell my
1: friends down there in uh, Austin, hey, your uh, elected officials don't want to go ahead and uh, take care of their uh, police department.
0: Oh, go to ahead and tra-
1: have them transfer the money over to our county so we can continue yeah. hiring.
0: Yeah, and we're gonna take. We're gonna talk about that one next. <laughs> That was a blowout. I was, now, uh, for all shot. of
1: us Texans that are listening on Proposition Number Eight, the one that they got there, it is current and active, but it only applied to those in combat. Uh, Prop
0: Eight, Prop Eight, yes,
1: yes. So that li- in the line of duty also applies to National Guard and reservists called to active duty. Mm-hmm. As a National Guardsman, I was always called on what they call active duty. A W S D active service for active or basically I was called an active duty Mm -hmm. and during a certain amount of time, which is under title 32 for the national guard bureau, rather than title 10 as an active duty service member. Mm -hmm. So I would drive out and head home and believe you me, sometimes it takes an hour to get home and all of a sudden an accident happened. Once again, like last, last time Mm -hmm. I did not survive. The spouse, so long she's unmarried, mm-hmm. receives the same benefits as a service member would when he's totally disabled.
0: Hmm. Hmm. And so, yeah, Prop Eight that was a good one to vote for. <laughs> that was a good one. So, and at least in my opinion, you know, uh, because again, the the provision before that was uh, in combat, right? That's yes. In combat. Yeah. And, and here we're seeing an duty. That's a good example, too. I'm like, I'm like, OK, well, training, you know, no, like, you know, once you're in you're in duty, if you're in transit, you're called to active duty. Right. So uh, that would apply. Right. Now,
1: the question I have is, what if it's just a weekend drill?
0: Mm hmm. Well, uh, is that considered active duty?
1: Nope. But wow. well, but. Mm. If an investigation comes and word word in the line of duty, bet your bottom dollar I'm going to be slapping that thing on there.
0: Oh, heck yeah. Heck yeah. Why not, right? I mean, it's there now and uh, Texans voted for it. So uh, that, that will be a legal thing, I'm sure. A legal brawl that would ensue. Um, but uh, if the right is there, you know, uh, may as well. Absolutely. Yep.
1: <laughs> well... Thanks for taking a moment to go ahead and hear my sight of how I understood it here for the small little counties that we are mm-hmm. in comparison to a big municipality like yours in San Antonio.
0: Absolutely. I appreciate you imparting that knowledge on us, sir. It makes us all better for it. <laughs> you have a great afternoon, Mr. Mr. Ping, and we'll talk with you again soon, okay?
1: All Take care.
0: Take care, Bye. my friend. Bye-bye. All right, that was a nice uh, pop-in with uh, Mr. Ping. Uh, That is uh, Ping254 over there at the Foxhole app and at uh, Pill.net. And if you're hanging out over there at uh, Twitch, that is uh, DJPing254. Check him out. Okay, all right. So let's get into the rest of uh, our stories for today, particularly involving uh, what we voted on uh, this past Tuesday. Now, that was the summation of our uh, our propositions for the... uh, Texas um, amendment election, Uh, let's take a look at what Austin did, ladies and gentlemen. (laughs) And uh, (coughs) Mr. Ping actually did allude to this. Now, this had to do with um, a proposition called Prop A in Austin, Texas. Crazy, guys. This is crazy, crazy, crazy. Um, Okay. So we had a proposition to basically fund the police in Austin, Texas, guys we had a proposition to fund the police, okay? Um, this this uh, proposal would have uh, basically brought the city within into the nationally enacted safe city standard. Now, according to the nationally recognized safe city standard, that calls for at least two police officers for every 1,000 citizens, which personally, I don't think that's even enough. Honestly, I honestly don't think that's enough. Um, But this this was a very contentious proposition, because as you guys know, Austin is a uh, it's a liberal stronghold, a left leaning stronghold in the state of Texas. Um, And uh, they are quite often uh, trying to defund it. In fact, uh, not only are they trying to defund it, but they were successful at defunding the police by one hundred and fifty million dollars, which was one third of their budget back in August of 2020. Okay, so this was successful. Uh, the city, the city, uh, which is also Democrat-run, the city council, Democrat-run city council of Austin, Texas, unanimously voted in August 2020 to defund the Austin Police Department again to the tune of $150 million, and they also canceled three police cadet training academies, okay? So um, under Proposition A, they would have uh, basically refunded the police, you know, they would have, they would have put more money back into creating an adequate and reformed police um, force. And um, it would have helped their severely short handed department. Uh, The proposal was defeated, ladies and gentlemen, in Austin, 68 to 32%. Okay. And uh, here's the sad part, guys, here's the sad part. And this is what we're talking about getting involved in our local elections. Uh, but this is also, I think, uh, in part um, how the city or even uh, the election officials, um, the voting officials in in any city handles it. Uh, is it. Is it because of negligence or is it because Texans don't care? Or is it because Austinites don't care, I should say, because in Austin, for this election on Tuesday, only 22% of eligible voters turned out to vote, guys. In Austin, Texas, for the November 2nd Texas Amendment elections, only 22% of eligible Travis County voters actually showed up to the voting booth, guys. That is sad, sick, and pathetic, okay? Now, I'm not judging them, but that is still sad, sick, and pathetic, guys, that no one showed up to vote for this. So with only 22% of eligible Travis County voters showing up, Ah, uh, proposition A was defeated by uh, by well by sixty eight percent. Now, that tells me that the only people who turned out to vote were the ones who were against this. You know what I mean? So basically, uh, that was that's that's terrible. Now, um, the the reason why this proposition even made it onto the ballot is because, in part, in large part, because we had some proponents of Prop A fighting very hard for it. Um, we had a, I think it was a save, save Austin now campaign, uh, an organization that was really, uh, trying to get this move. This was a citizen led proposal. Okay. The citizens of Travis County who cared enough about this are the ones who managed to get this on the ballot. Okay. Uh, we've seen the Austin police department lose hundreds of officers. They've disbanded numerous units. Um, 911 response times have dramatically slowed down or decreased in um, response rate. And in fact, for numerous 911 calls, police officers are no longer being dispatched, guys. Uh, Austin's in trouble, right? Austin's in trouble. Um, that's not to mention that in September of this year, okay. In uh, in September, they had already had a record high um, uh, killing rate in Austin. Uh, They normally have 48 homicides per year. Okay. In 2021, as of right now, they've already had over 80 homicides, which means their average mortality rate, uh, whatever the cause of that might be, as far as killings go, has doubled, just about doubled, ladies and gentlemen, which is. quite scary. To me, I see 48, I see 80, I see double. (laughs) I see double digits there, guys. I see doubles. It's it's just about doubled. Um, There's a lot of things that went into this, guys, that we have to really consider. And particularly if you're living in Travis County, uh, it's not lost on anyone that uh, George Soros was involved heavily in funding campaigns to defeat Proposition A in Austin, which is like, what the heck's up with that? Why do we have to have big money from New York? Why do we have to have big international, uh, you know, Nazi money coming into Austin in order to make sure that Austin stays unsafe? In order to ensure that there's no funding for the police, makes no sense. Don't understand why that would be. Um, but again, we had we had a uh, uh, George Soros. Uh, pouring in hundreds of thousands of dollars. I think it was something to the tune of like $500,000 in order to defeat Proposition A. Um, And then also along with that, they had very misleading campaign signs. Um, Here's an example of some of the campaign signs that they had. Now the Prop A on the left, that's my left, your right. um, We see, uh, was it my left? The one that says a prop a, okay. That one was for it. That's for a safe Austin. That's a legit sign. The one um, over here, protect Austin parks and libraries, a very misleading sign. No way for prop a very misleading. Cause right away, if you're like uh, if you're like an absentee, an absent minded voter, you know what I mean? Or if you're just like a fair weather voter or you just, oh, well, I just happened to pop in today. Cause I was dropping my kids off at the school. Um, you know, I'll go ahead and vote. You see this sign, Protect Austin Parks and Libraries, and right away you think that they're in danger. You don't really know why, okay? Uh, you think maybe they're trying to defund it. Um, and some of the language that went into this was basically that uh, if you fund the police, you're going to take away money from parks and libraries, Okay which in, in itself is very sad uh, that people, I mean, you need your parks and libraries, right? Barton Creek's not going anywhere. You know, uh, Zilker Park isn't going anywhere. Uh, the libraries are going to stay open and no one was going to the libraries anyways for like about a good, good portion of the year, right? Um, but uh, this, this was all part of that entire scam to defeat it. The city council and anti proposition 8 campaigns made very deceptive claims about the proposal's cost. Um, the Austin Police Association did say in a statement that steps moving forward are up to the mayor and city council to get much-needed cadet academy classes going and start rebuilding for the future of the Austin Police Department, keeping in mind that Mayor Adler is against funding the police, uh, keeping in mind that the city council is uh, highly left-leaning and Democrat, and they have they have self identifying socialists sitting on their city council ladies and gentlemen in fact one of them is supposedly going to be running for congress soon so and these are self-identified socialists ladies and gentlemen in austin texas big problem guys how that happens i don't know but it happens maybe uh, maybe it has something to do with the elections and uh, how they're not, uh, they're not as clean and as clear as they say they are in Texas. We'll take a little jump into that at the close of the show, um, but there you have it. Um, uh, again, the Austin Police Association does say, we kept hearing Mayor Adler and council members say the budget already exists to hire 300 more officers, so they need to get to work and get that process moving forward. They need to save Austin protect Austin and uh, and uh, re- and fund the police, you know, refund them, fund them. I don't know how you want to say it, but they need to get it done. Very, very, very scary times in Austin. I'm like thinking like, maybe I ain't going to move back into Austin until they get their act straight. <laughs> and we at least have, uh, I don't know, more than one officer for every 10,000 citizens. they can I don't know if it's that dramatic, but they've been bleeding uh, police officers for quite some time. So that in itself is extremely scary, guys. Extremely scary. It's not safe. Uh, and, and they also seem to be uh, giving Austinites the um, the feeling that it is safe. Uh, but uh, ladies and gentlemen, when you can't even uh, you can't even respond to 911 calls with the police dispatch uh, and that's slowing down. Austin, could Wave San Francisco. is happy uh, results on November 2nd, 2021, here in Texas. Uh, the man on the screen is a man by the name of uh, John Luhan. Okay, yes, that's really his name, John Lujan. <laughs> and John Lujan is actually he actually is. Uh, I would say he qualifies to be part of the red wave that hit uh, hit the states uh, this past November second, uh, where we see a lot of uh, a lot of uh, seats, county seats, state seats, uh, school board seats, uh, judicial seats, uh, city seats. They're all uh, they're, they're flipping red, right? Uh, well, John Lujan, he is a Republican. And he's actually um, won the elections, a special election in Texas House District 118. Uh, now that does encompass uh, my neck of the woods in San Antonio, Texas and Bexar County. Now uh, he actually reclaimed it. He won the seat with 51% of the vote and flipped the district from blue to red. Um, in San Antonio, we don't got a lot of red districts. They are there. There are a few of them out there, but uh, this one, Uh, like I said, is uh, down in the good old south side of San Antonio, the side of of town that has looked exactly the same for almost a century. And I am not even exaggerating, guys. I am not even exaggerating. They do not take care of the people on the south side of San Antonio. Either that or the people don't care. Uh, And I would say that definitely has to do with with them not taking care of the people. The people don't care because they don't take care of them, you know, or they lie to them. They trick them. Um, let's see here. Uh, John Lujan uh, defeated Democrat Frank Ramirez in the special runoff uh, election. Uh, Lujan is filling out of former state representative Leo Pacheco, who was a Democrat, and uh, Pacheco resigned in August to take a teaching job at San Antonio College. Now the district includes parts of San Antonio and areas south and east of the city in Bexar County. In January of 2016, Lujan also won a special election in this reliably Democrat district. So this is a historically Democrat district. In 2016, in January, Lujan took it, and then he lost that seat to uh, State Representative Tomas Uresti. Uresti, guys, is a very old Texas politician name. okay? I've known Urestis. I even went to school with some of the Urestis. And uh, they are very old blood, Texas politicians, guys, uh, Democrats. You know what I think about that. okay? Uh, but then in 2018, Pacheco got the seat. And uh, what's this five years later, John Lujan has reclaimed the district, making it go red, um, conservative, Republican, however you want to put it. Uh, so that's a good thing. That's a good thing. Um, Lujan previously served as a Bear County Sheriff's Deputy and also as a San Antonio firefighter. He's currently a local IT business owner. And he will remain, uh, he will serve out the remainder of Pacheco's term, which will run through January 2023. We'll see what Mr. Lujan does in that time, uh, as I'm sure he'll probably run again uh, to maintain as an incumbent that seat. Uh, but there's no, there's no, uh, there's no reason why we can't kind of turn up the heat on this guy. I don't want to see this man become a rhino. Uh, Of course, um, as I was outside of San Antonio in the years that he uh, served before, I'd probably have to go and poke back around and see what kind of work he did in the first term that he served in this position. Uh, the man on the screen you see now, this is Andrew Yeager. Andrew Yeager. He uh, actually is also part of this red wave that we are seeing. Now, this has to do with North Texas, um, and uh, it appears that North Texas citizens have elected him um, to help fight against the tyranny of local school districts, and uh, they elected or hired on the ballot Tuesday. um, The pro-citizen coalition on the board of the Carroll Independent School District has now grown from three seats, uh, has now grown to three seats of seven seats. So they've been fighting up there in the Carroll Independent School District uh, to get common sense and uh, how else could you say it? Common sense uh, people on their board, people who aren't prone to uh, critical race theory and doing other crazy things with uh, their money, tax money, right? Um, Yeager won 64 to 35% majority for Carroll Independent School District. And uh, we see that citizens uh, elected Yeager to replace trustee David Almond, who retired in July. Um, and uh, Yeager will have to face voters again when Almond's term expires in March 2022. So this is kind of an interim. It's it's he's not he's got it. He's going to have to run again. But the whole reason why we're seeing this kind of a backlash, not just in places like, uh, you know, um, uh, um, Carroll Independent School District um, is because uh, you have uh, you have uh, you have things like this going on. It seems that like in Carroll Independent School District, uh, the parents had learned that the school board trustees were going to implement a controversial program called the Cultural Competence Action Plan, and as part of the Cultural Competence Action Plan. Um, You would see, among other things, the creation of an LGBTQIA plus 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 student focus group and a system where students could report each other for microaggressions. (laughs) What a waste of money. Right. Um, And that would have costed taxpayers almost one point five million dollars just so you could have uh, uh, reporting bureaus for microaggressions on students. Right. Like, what the heck is up with that? Uh, We also see that in Carroll Independent School District, there had been a uh, dispute because uh, they were finding um, critical race theory, um, literature and publications in the school libraries. And uh, they were making an issue to whether or not students could take publications home from the school library, because obviously the school district did not want parents to know the type of literature that they were giving to our students. So again, in response to this, and we're seeing this across the board in America, um, as parents are standing up and they're saying no to such items as critical race theory and these other useless woke um, uh, programs and things that they're trying to install in school districts. And so you're seeing a red lash, <laughs> a woke lash, some people call it, uh, just just coming out of the gates and um, and, and doing that we're electing people to get those rascals out of it. Uh, let's see here. One two three SKG asks: Does the University of Austin still have its own police department? I'm not aware of that. I know when I lived in Austin, I actually did work for the University of Austin at point. They they still had they still had uh their own police. Um, I don't know if that would be like a campus police or their own police department specifically. But that was, that, was, that was like at least, what, two to three years ago. Um, let's see here. Skeeterberg says, great question. I'm sure they do. When I went to Texas State, campus was like its own little town, like the Vatican. <laughs> you know, I actually lived in San Marcos as well. 123 SKG says San Marcos. I lived there for about two years. Um, and uh, I thought, you know, other than it was a uh, zip code 78666, you know, <laughs> I thought it was, uh, it was an all right town, you know, it was an all right town. I lived, in, I lived in San Marcos, I lived in Kyle, I lived in Austin, I've lived in San Antonio. Um, so yeah, I'm just a Central Texas guy. I just, I, I really like Central Texas. Like that's my favorite part of Texas. So, all right, let's move off of this topic. We only got uh, two more topics. First one uh, of the last, uh, we see that um, the uh, Texas GOP is requesting that Governor Abbott form a fourth special session, which I think is pretty nice. I was like, okay, so we finished the third special session. Apparently there was some unfinished business there. Uh, But now the GOP is actually calling for a fourth special session in the state of Texas. Uh, This is being led by the GOP and also Lieutenant Dan Patrick. That's Lieutenant Governor Dan Patrick, guys. Uh, Let me go ahead and expand this so we can just check out their letter to the governor, an open letter to Greg Abbott. Our Republican Party of Texas continues to recognize and applaud your efforts to protect Texas Constitution, uh, Texans constitutional rights to personal responsibility and medical freedom through executive order GA-40. And by calling on the third special session of the 87th Texas legislature to address um, inoculation um, overreach, (laughs) as you know, however, no legislation on this topic was passed during the third special session. That's right, guys. There was no legislation passed regarding COVID-19 and inoculations in Texas. Um, It says, since that time, we have uh, seen an ever-increasing number of businesses defy your executive order. Okay, Executive order GA-40 was a stopgap to protect vulnerable Texans, but it alone is simply not enough. We remind you of the party's resolution defending medical freedom and personal responsibility, which urges Governor Abbott to add a ban on private um, uh, inoculation overreach to the special session call and asks the Texas legislature to enact laws protecting Texans from public and private um, inoculation overreach. Therefore, we add our voices to that of Lieutenant Diane, Lieutenant Governor Diane Patrick, and once again, implore you to add a comprehensive ban on inoculation overreach, along with other Republican legislative priorities that have as yet failed to pass. To the call of a fourth special session of the 87th legislation, legislature, uh, the clock is ticking as we seek to protect vulnerable Texans who are having to choose right now between losing their livelihoods or accepting forced administration of a cov ID-19 inoculation despite your executive order of legislation previously introduced. We are most supportive of HB 168 by Representative Brian Harrison. We believe that HB 168 by confirming the rights of Texans to give informed consent before receiving the inoculation provides a strong legal standing to resist the Biden administration's radical constitutional overreach that many other bills are missing. HB 168 recognizes informed consent, a fundamental principle in medical ethics which empowers individuals to make decisions and depends on an opt-in rather than an opt-out framework. HB 168 also prevents adverse action or penalties of any kind against an individual who chooses not to receive the inoculation. HB 168 further allows the Texas Attorney General to sue if a person's rights are violated, a critical aspect for individuals who lack that means to take on multi-million dollar corporations. Finally, HB 168 holds a health care provider administrators, uh, a health care providers who, who administer an inoculation without informed consent, liable for damages in an amount of... Less than $5,000, which provides much needed uh, teeth to enforcement. We need you, uh, we know you have received tremendous pressure from some in the business community to reject these pro freedom measures. We urge you to continue to stand strong for personal freedom and responsibility against this tide. We strongly believe it is the proper role and function of government to protect our God given rights, not just from government itself, but from anyone. Who seeks to trample on them. Uh, We would remind the business community if they are fearful of crippling litigation to take shelter under the freedom that legislation like HB 168 offers and not mandate inoculations for their employees. Governor Abbott, will you once again stand with us to defend the rights of individual Texans for whom our Texas and United States constitutions were written? Will you tell big corporations the liberty and rights of individuals always supersede the directives of the businesses that employ them and that no company or corporation, no matter how big or influential, will be allowed to violate those individuals' rights in the state of Texas? We continue to extend to you our deepest gratitude for joining us in defense of individual freedom and liberty. We look forward to your swift and decisive action in defense of the citizens of Texas, and we look forward to a fourth special session. Okay, so we see those are all designed. signed. Hey, hey, how come all of you guys haven't signed on to the Audit All 50 Decertified 2020 Canvas All 50? Huh? Huh? How come we haven't seen any of you guys sign on to this? Toth, here, Toth is the only one. He's the only one who signed on. Okay. I want to know why 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 we can sign on for this, but we can't sign on to save our freaking country by auditing all 50. I want to know why. Okay. I'm still very sore about that guys, but, uh, I would expect a lot of us are okay. So anyways, all right, guys, that's going to take us to our last story. Uh, we'll be wrapping it up here in just a minute. Okay. What do we got? What do we got? What do we got? Who do we got? Oh, you guys knew I was going to talk about this man. You guys had to have known I was going to talk to you guys about this one. Okay. (laughs) So, sorry. I just saw that Lieutenant Dan comment in the the chat room. Um, Okay. So guys, we, uh, we introduced you to this man uh, on our previous episode, episode number 16 of Lone Star News. Now we're going to talk about him again. We're going to talk about him a little bit more this is uh, Governor Abbott's fifth Secretary of State as you guys may know where it comes to secretaries of state Texans have been bamboozled for the last who knows how many decades okay we've had 48 governors we've had 114 secretaries of state now he actually he might be 115. He's either 115 or 114. okay what's going on here Texas Why do we have so many uh, secretaries of state you can't tell me that these secretaries of state willingly resign after a year or two, or maybe they do. Maybe they are part of some bigger plan, right? I don't get what's up with it. Okay, guys, uh, this guy's been appointed by governor Abbott. This guy's name is John Scott. Okay. And, uh, he's been appointed by Abbott. So it's what it's, uh, he was appointed a few days after the third session closed. So it was at the end of October. So I, I should expect by uh, this time in two years, he'll be gone, right? Because that's what it seems like. Uh, the the Secretary of State just don't seem to be able to hold water here in the state of Texas. There's something wrong with that, ladies and gentlemen. Now, let's talk a little bit about why Abbott might have chosen John Scott, okay? Why do you think Abbott might have chosen John Scott? Now, first of all, it is important to note um, that while John Scott has been appointed by Governor Abbott, he has not been confirmed by the Texas Senate. In fact, the last Secretary of State uh, was, uh, what was her name? Her name was Ruth, uh, her name was Ruth, 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 Ruth Hughes, okay? Ruth Hughes, the last Secretary of State, never even got confirmed, guys. They say she was being snubbed by the Senate. Okay, they never confirmed her. She resigned, right? So that means she was acting, acting Secretary of State for as long as she was in that uh, position. Now we have John Scott who's being appointed and uh, he's not even gonna be, he's not even gonna face being confirmed, okay? He's not even going to face being confirmed until the Texas Senate reconvenes, which is currently scheduled For January of 2023, ladies and gentlemen, okay, it says uh, the Senate will not have to confirm him until the next time it meets, which is currently scheduled for January 2023. So this guy, this guy, this John Scott guy is going to get to acting act. He's going to get to run amok as Secretary of State for the next year. It's which incidentally will also oversee the elections for Abbott's re-election. Yeah. Okay, so could that be another reason why Abbott's do uh, what is going on with Texas? Why can't we get a secretary of state who serves his full term or her full term? Why are we flipping them out every one and a half to two years, guys? This is a big bamboozle. Okay, this needs to be an issue like this is an issue, but it needs to be a vocal one. We have to get vocal about fixing this office, okay? This is ludicrous. And what are they doing this entire time? Okay, we've had we had a Secretary of State that was never confirmed, was in her position for over a year or two. Okay, we have this guy coming in who's going to be running them up, doing God knows what, unconfirmed until January of 2023. Okay, and in the meantime, we have a Deputy Secretary of State who t- takes care, who's basically he is the Secretary of State. Okay, and this little Deputy Secretary of State, Jose Garza. Okay, he's over there hobnobbing with Katie Hobbs and Jocelyn Benson and and Veronica de Graffin-Reed and all of the Soros-funded and uh, Clinton-backed Secretaries of State in their little National Association of Secretaries of State, which was formally the Secretary of State project, again, hosted and funded by one George Soros. Ladies and gentlemen, Texas needs to fix this issue, okay? I don't know how much clearer I have to say it. Now, this Texas Secretary of State, again when we're talking about maybe why Abbott has chosen him. I he's, he's playing. Okay, but I see right through you, Abbott. I see right through you. Okay, this is what we're talking about the main issue right now that Abbott is going to be writing on because he's done such a phenomenal job right on all these, all these other like uh, hot button issues that people were like, Oh, well, yeah, you know, Abbott did this and Abbott did that. We should reelect him. Abbott's done this and Abbott's done that. We should reelect him. uh, uh he's talking about the wall. He's protecting us from, uh, inoculation overreach. He's doing all these things. Okay. But the number one issue is going to be election integrity guys. The number one issue is election integrity. And, uh, President Trump put Abbott on the spot and they were not expecting this. Texas cities were not expecting this. Texas election commissions were not expecting for President Trump to call for an audit of Texas. And I think that uh, President Trump is very, very good at shining the spotlight on things that need to shine out. Okay, like he, we need to get this out of the dark. Okay, I, I, I just, I don't know. I just feel like when it comes to strategy, he either elect he either elects, appoints, or chooses people, or requests of people, endorses people that will really help, or that we really need to get out. Okay. That we really need to look at. Okay. And he has shined the light down on Texas. We're already uncovering this broken office, Secretary of State this wouldn't have come out if president Trump hadn't shined that light down on Texas. Right. And ask for that, uh, ask for that forensic audit. Okay. So let's talk about this. Why do we think also that Abbott chose this man? Okay. Uh, because this man's already in danger. He's already in danger. When you're talking to Texas Democrats and when you're talking to people who are asleep, who believe that 2020 election was all good and secure. Okay. This man actually served on the uh, legal team for president in Pennsylvania regarding election integrity and the fraud of 2020. So he's already in danger because we already have Texas Democrats that are like, this guy doesn't believe that, uh, I know this guy helped president Trump. He served on his legal team. So he already has a target on him, right? By Texas Democrats, and they're going to use that language to uh, try and make sure he does not get confirmed a year from now. Okay, but at the same time, if if Governor Abbott is choosing a man who helped President Trump, helped I say, because he backed off, he backed out of the case. This man backed out of the case, but but at the same time, he was still a part of the legal team in Pennsylvania when they were having the hearings on election fraud. So if if Governor Abbott chooses this man to be the secretary of state on the face, superficially, it looks like, oh, yeah, Abbott's doing something for election integrity. He's got someone that was helping Trump on the legal team. All right. Go Abbott. Yeah, let's vote for him again. Reelect Abbott. B.S., ladies and gentlemen. In an interview, John Scott said that there is no question that Joe Biden is the president and he has not seen anything to suggest the election was stolen. That's the words of this man, the guy that uh, Abbott currently... You know, Abbott, do you think we're idiots? Abbott, what kind of respect do you have for Texans when you have a turncoat who's uh, you're appointed the position because superficially he assisted on the legal team for President Trump in Pennsylvania and then backed out when they ruled against him? Okay, Yeah. This is all fluff, ladies and gentlemen. It's part of this bamboozle. Abbott has no respect for us or this country or this state or our constitution or our elections, which means Abbott ultimately has no respect for our freedom because our vote is our freedom. It's not just our voice. It is our freedom. And if Abbott is going to try and pull a quick one on us by using some superfluous, uh, pudgy little white soft man, uh, sorry, that sounded kind of SJW, didn't it? (laughs) If he's gonna do that, guys, he does not respect our freedom. Okay, that means Abbott's a commie. he's a rhino, he's gotta go. Okay, now when it came to talking, and this is this is what this, this this is what this man is here for, guys. This man is being appointed without confirmation to oversee the forensic audit, guys, in Texas. This is why he's here. This is part of the great bamboozling, okay. This is part of the great con that uh, Rhino Abbott is going to attempt to pull over the people of Texas. Okay. Now, when it came to the deputy secretary of state, who's the one that issued the guidelines for our forensic audit, he's the one that said, well, we've already done uh, more half of part one of the audit and we're going to do the rest next year. Okay. Do you guys want to see what Jose Esparza looks like again? Huh? Do you all want to see him again? Like, oh God, I'm just, I am beside myself with how, how I'm so sickened by this entire story, guys. Like it just, it it boggles my mind that this is even, who else is talking about this out there? I don't know. I don't pay attention to, to Joe Paggs or to, to Brad Prather or Chad Prather. Are they talking about this? Like, I'm, I'm very curious to know if they are talking about this because this is important. Like, this is a huge issue. Like when you have these really big talk show hosts here in Texas, uh, conservative radio, you know, are they even talking about this? You know, do, are they going to force me to listen to their radio program? Am I going to have to call in and be like, Hey, you realize this isn't a real forensic audit, right? Like what's going on here? You know, um, it just, it disgusts me. It disgusts me to no end. Lady. In fact, my stomach's getting upset right now. Okay. <laughs> so here's the guy. Oh, you can't even see him. Here's the little deputy secretary of snakes. There's Jose Esparza. Okay. There's your little deputy secretary of snakes. He's the one who's been running it this whole time. Every time they have an, uh, they have a, a rep- they need a replacement secretary of snakes. They send him in. He's the one who wrote it up. Okay. He's the one who wrote it up. Uh, and, uh, and, and, uh, you know, uh, John Scott's going to follow through with that outline. Okay. But now in regards to what Je- deputy, Sec- deputy secretary of state, Jose Sparza, the little other pudgy one I just showed you, he says, he says that the elections in Texas were the most smooth and secure. Yeah. He sounds exactly like, uh, the guy that got fired from SISA. Which was the uh, the cyber foreign, the cybersecurity and infrastructure security administration that was overseeing the elections in 2020, right? Got fired because they obviously were not the most secure and smooth elections. But those were his words exactly, guys. Those are his words exactly. Um, so uh, John Scott uh, spoke with the Texas Tribune after uh, Greg Abbott had announced his appointment. And um, he he drew national attention, of course, because again, Scott was involved in uh, Trump's Pennsylvania lawsuit. He's a Fort Worth lawyer, in case any of you guys uh, were wondering, and he does have a long history with Abbott, including serving as a deputy attorney general for civil litigation when Abbott was the state's top law enforcement official. So these guys have been in cahoots for a while It's interesting how these guys are always working together. Now, in naming Scott to the post, Abbott said that he would oversee. This is what Abbott said, guys. This is what Abbott said. Abbott said that John Scott would be overseeing the biggest and most thorough election audit in the country. B.S. Abbott. B.S. Abbott. This is not a thorough Uh, election audit guys. I've already, I think I've already said this till I'm as blue as the sky behind me. There's no canvas. There's no physical ballot review. And there's only a partial review of electronic ballot images. Those are three strikes, baby. That's not a thorough forensic audit and we need a canvas in order for this audit to be thorough. I don't care how good of an outline little, little uh, Jose Esparza created To make us look like, oh, this is a really forensic audit. I don't care how much of the administrative part of this audit you listed to make it look like it's thorough. It's not, ladies and gentlemen. This is not a full forensic audit. It's not happening in the state. Abbott says that it is, and it's not. And he's bamboozling Texans. He's disrespecting our freedom, and he's got to go. Okay, so uh, let's see here. Scott says... That was actually the first thing that he talked with uh, Abbott about, okay? That's what he's here for. He's over. Scott has been appointed to oversee the biggest snookering of Texans with this fake forensic audit, and we're supposed to take comfort as Texans and Trump supporters that uh, this is right because this man helped Trump or this man helped Trump with the Pennsylvania lawsuit. okay. do you see do you see this fine like uh, I don't know, it's 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 a great subterfuge it makes us think that we got someone right for the job because he assisted Trump with election integrity and fraud in Pennsylvania. So he's got to be doing it right for Texas. But then this guy says nothing. There was nothing illegal. There's no fraud in 2020 and Joe Biden is the rightful president. Okay. I mean, how much more clear could we get about this guy's, How much more clearer could we get about this when we're talking about the snookering, the bamboozle, the con that they're running on Texans and also on the country? Okay, also on the country. Again, asked if he thought the election was stolen. John Scott said President Biden is the president of the United States. I don't think there's any question about that. And when he was pressed on whether or not he accepts there has been no evidence that the election was stolen, he said The election has, he has not seen anything that somebody's reported on. He's not seen any reports that he has seen personally that would suggest any evidence, any evidence that the election was stolen from President Trump. Okay. Now, Trump, who apparently is close with Lieutenant Governor Dan Patrick, Lieutenant Dan, has taken a keen interest in Texas politics Um, he has not lobbied Abbott for the audit legislation, but he has attacked, uh, house speaker, uh, Dade Phelan who needed to be attacked by the way. Um, and, uh, that was for blocking it. And he made a series of early endorsements for the 2022 races, but that has left some to wonder if Trump had any say in Scott's appointment. I doubt it. Well, actually maybe so, maybe so maybe he doesn't got the right information. Maybe someone needs to get up there. Maybe, uh, maybe Trump needs a Texas liaison <laughs> who would tell him exactly what's going on here, guys, because this is BS. I am so PO'd. I'm using so many acronyms today because <laughs> we're not quite in the dark. Okay, guys. So yeah, again, it's, it's ridiculous. But this is who we have as an appointment for the uh, Texas uh, Secretary of State. Okay. And uh, let's see. It is a uh, let's see here. These are his words. It's a much more full-throated soup to nuts. What kind of phrase is soup to nuts? Okay. (laughs) He says it's a much more full-throated soup to nuts evaluation of everything that the counties are required to do. I guess the difference is the breadth of this one versus in the past, it was very ad hoc and really based upon specific issues that were raised. Again, guys, we're not getting a full forensic audit. That's not what this is. They would have you believe that, and then they're putting uh, they're putting a Trump uh, uh, litigator up there on the stand to make it seem like it's going to be what it says. This is all a great con, okay? It's a great con. It's a great con. He says, "I want to get this audit over. I think I think the counties have enough of enough other things fixing to come up, and I think this state needs to see some resolution on it." I think the country needs some resolution on this. So again, guys, another brief foray into our newest Secretary of Snakes. Texas, we got to get this fixed, guys. We have got to get this fixed because it is darn right ridiculous. Um, And uh, yeah, well, we should start with El Paso, God. It's like I said last night, guys, if Austin is the armpit of Texas left politics, El Paso is definitely the crotch. Okay, so <laughs> anyways, uh, Ping, I'm not I'm not sure how long this man's been a Texas resident. Um hopefully under the uh the newly amended uh <laughs> propositions that went through uh he'll be removed okay (laughs) so that's all i gotta say oh man all right ladies and gentlemen that wraps it up for today's edition of lone star news thanks for hanging out with us 20 past the hour i appreciate it and everyone who's been uh hunkering down there hunkering down there in uh in the chat rooms uh great to have you along with us who was hanging out with us towards the end skeeter burke d patriot 1776 123 skg uh, two two rivers. Um, uh, ping two five four. Tam Growl. good to see you. Glad to have you in the chats with us all, and uh, for hanging out, I much definitely appreciate it. Uh, we gotta get this Texas, these Texas issues cleaned out, guys. Especially with the Secretary of Snake's office, I am about done with it. Uh, like I said, guys, all of this that we're going through is at least serving to shine the light on the aspects of our government that need to come out, that need to come out of the dark. And that is exactly what we're going to do. Um, I, I agree with Skeeter, Squeeter, Squeeter. Ske- <laughs> I agree with Squeeter Burke. <laughs> we need to completely drain the swamp and we can move it to Austin. <laughs> Move the nation's capital to Texas. The swamp is drained. Yeah, I don't know. One, two, three, SKG. We got a pretty deep Texas swamp here right now. We got to get out. We have got to get out. Uh, but yes, yes, uh, that sounds uh, sounds pretty good, guys. Sounds pretty good. All right, uh, let me see. When Abbott was too chicken shit to stand up to the cabal regarding uh, masks last year, I knew he was at least a rhino. He's a rhino, guys. He is a rhino. Abbott is a rhino. And, uh, Ping, don't you dare question on whether or not I can dance. I'll show you if I meet you up in December. Okay. <laughs> okay, guys, we're going to, we're going to call it a wrap now. Thanks for hanging out. I just released the scratching over there on Pilled and foxhole. If you're hanging out, there it is for you all. Uh, we will be back tonight uh, with Mr. C in the dark, um, We'll 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 see what's up with Mister C in the dark tonight. I don't have anything in particular lined up. I'll try and keep it light. I don't know if it'll be as light as it was last night. We had a really fun time hanging out last night. For any of you guys who missed it, go and catch the replay. Uh, we had Aurelius Locke and Nick Walls joining us, and and also Java and also Belushi popped in too. So it was a pretty good night, and uh we'll try and do it again tonight. We'll see what the topics for discussion are. Otherwise, guys. Until next time and until the next edition of Lone Star News, you guys have a great afternoon. God bless Texas. God bless the United States. Be safe, my friends. Be safe.